In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The setting for today's gospel lesson would have been very familiar to the people at Jesus' time. It was Joseph's well at Sychar. And we remember the story of how this came to be. Remember, Joseph was running away from his brother Esau because he hoodwinked him out of the blessing and the birthright. And he was on the run, went to Uncle Laban's, and he got to that area, and he said, anybody here, the shepherds were watering sheep, anybody know Uncle Laban? And they said, oh yeah, that's, that's his daughter, Rachel, right over there. So he went over and hugged her and kissed her, and apparently continued to do that. He eventually married her. Uh, and then uh, he was able to uh, become a great nation at that time. So they would have been familiar with the place, Jacob's Well. This is a different guy and a different woman. Jesus is at the well. It's about high noon. And the woman who is coming is not a relative of his, but is a Samaritan woman. And she comes and Jesus says, give me a drink. And she's floored by this because in the first place, she is a woman. And men did not speak to women in public. In that, not even wives spoke to their husbands in public. <laughs> Those were the days. And... Uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, the, he, the, she's floored because, you know, he's a guy, a man, and he's speaking to her. But not only that, she is a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritans and the Jews don't do anything together. Uh, the Samaritans were considered by the Jews to be kind of a, a mongrel people who had intermarried with the Canaanites. They didn't worship at the right place. They worshiped at Mount Gerizim instead of Jerusalem. And they just, you know, they were just looked down on. They, there'd even been a little armed conflict from time to time. So she's a, Samar a woman and a Samaritan. And Jesus asks her for a drink. And uh, so she does do that. And Jesus tells her, if you had known who you were talking to, you could have asked for living waters. And then you would never be thirsty again. And the woman takes this quite literally and says, wow, that'd be great then I wouldn't have to come here and schlep this water home all the time. I'd never thirst again. And this is another example of uh, the irony in John's Gospel. There, it's, if, you, ever, if you like irony, read John's Gospel. It's just filled with it. So you've got, like last week, we had Nicodemus. You know, Nick at night goes over to see Jesus. And uh, he says, can a man who is old be born again? And the answer, of course, is yeah. Yeah, born of the Spirit. To be born anew, born again. And you have uh, Pontius Pilate who has Jesus standing in front of him. Jesus said he came to bear the truth. And Pilate goes, ah, what is truth? And he's got truth standing right in front of him. The uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, says, it is expedient that one man should die for the people. And he doesn't know how right he is because that is exactly what Jesus is doing. And now the Samaritan woman uh, Living water? What, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And the answer is, oh yeah, a lot greater. So more irony. Anyway, they talk a little bit, and then Jesus said, why don't you go get your husband, and we'll talk over these things further. And she says, oh, well, I, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, yeah, that's right, you've had five of them. And uh, the guy you're with now isn't your husband. And now, we're not told in the scripture why this happened. Maybe she's just hard on husbands, I don't know. May you know, why did all these husbands die? Maybe they wanted to after living with... But any, we don't know that. The, the scripture doesn't say this. All it says is she had five husbands and the guy she's with now is not her husband. Uh, and she goes, 
what? Are, are you a prophet? And uh, then they talk a little bit further. And Jesus tells her, tells her that worship in spirit and truth is coming. And then the disciples come back. They interrupt and they went and got lunch. But then uh, they offer Jesus something to eat. He says, oh, I have other food. And they went, what, did somebody else bring you lunch while we were gone? No, no, no. Again, the irony. My food is doing the will of the Father. That's what sustains me and nourishes me. So then the woman leaves. She leaves, leaves her water jar where it is. She forgot even why she was there. And one of, the, one of the clues to this thing is not just that she had the five husbands and the, the live-in, but she comes to the well at high noon. Why is that important? Because in that culture, all the women always came real early in the morning when it was cool. They all got their water together. They stood around and drew up the bucket and filled, and they talked and had, you know, instead of a coffee clutch, it was a water clutch, and, you know, got to chat a little bit. So, but, but the Samaritan woman comes at noon, which means she didn't want to see anybody. She, didn't, she hoped to go there when nobody was there apparently because she doesn't feel too good about things. Or maybe she just didn't want the Jewish women looking down their nose at her. I don't, but at any rate, that's a bigger clue, that she comes at high noon when women would never do that. So then she goes back after all this thing, and she goes to her, leaves her water jug, goes back and tells her friends and neighbors, come and see a man who has told me everything I've ever done. Would you be excited about that? <laughs> oh goody, here's somebody who knows everything I've ever done. It's kind of like when you go home and your family and relatives are there and they tell you all the stuff you did when you were a kid, you know, they knew you back when, except this is worse, knows everything you've ever done. She's all excited about it. He can't, what? He can't be the Messiah, can he? Maybe he is. And she tells the people and they go and they go to see Jesus and there were so many of them that he stayed an extra two days to deal with these Samaritans. And here's another bit of irony. It's the Samaritans, the outsiders, who seem to get it. And the insiders, the Jews, particularly the leaders, the religious leaders of the Jews, they don't get it. So they come out, they hear Jesus, and they go, the high point of this whole story really is, they get done saying, well, we don't believe her just because of what, what she said. We've heard for ourselves. We know that truly this is the Son of God. Here is a man who's told me everything I've ever done. That's only good news if it implies he told me everything I've ever done and thinks I'm great. He's told me everything I've done and there's no judgment attached to it. Told me everything I've ever done and he accepts me just like I am and thinks I'm fine. That's when it's good news. Now we used to talk to patients in the drug alcohol treatment center if you want to feel truly accepted, you have to be truly known. Because otherwise people are just accepting the phony cardboard image you keep out in front of you, but they don't know the real you. So you have to be truly known if you want to be truly accepted. So that's why we used to tell people, get honest in group and see what happens. You'd be surprised. Or as, as we used to put it, dump your poop in group. Um, you know, that you, you, know, th this is the, you know, you let people know who you are and then if you're accepted, you're truly accepted. And I remember uh, one guy who was having a little trouble with this honesty part. And finally, he'd gone to some AA meetings, 
And finally he said, I, I just figured, what the heck, I was just going to let it go and tell him what I've done, and, and whatever happens, happens. So he went in there and got honest, and uh, he said, it was the darndest thing. He said, I went in and told him all my worst stuff, and at the end of the meeting, they all gave me their phone numbers. <laughs> Don't you wish that would happen in the Christian church? I think that there are times when people feel that there's more acceptance in 12-step groups than there are in the Christian church. And that's not good. Jesus was giving living waters to this woman. The living water was that sense of acceptance. And we have that living water. We are washed in our baptism. And the waters of baptism and being sealed with the sign of the cross tell us you are a child of God. And you will always be a child of God. I don't care what you do or where you go. You cannot run farther than I can find you. You may run away from me, but I will never forsake you. That's living waters, that we are accepted as who we are. And, of course, he loves us enough not to let us stay that way. He's going to you know, work on sanctifying with God's Spirit, but he loves us as we are. That's living waters. And when we give that to other people, that's living waters for them. That's what we have to offer people, to let our, our cup is full and to let that spill over onto other people, that kind of acceptance. Living waters. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.